Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444.com. I'm Ryan Noonan. Joining me, as always, fellow 444.com writer, Connor Allen. What's going on, my friend? How are you this evening? Pretty good. Uh, last week was, you know, another, another solid grind. Nothing too big, nothing too bad. It was about even. So, I mean, honestly, even weeks for me are almost as disappointing. Yeah, it can be, uh, it can be tough out there. I'm excited for this week. I know you are very heavy in the uh, the prop markets, and so is our guest. Um, you can basically find this gentleman everywhere. He's the leader of the Rat Pack. He is on CBS Sports Network each week of the NFL season. You can hear him daily on Sirius XM Fantasy. His podcast, The Rant, can be found anywhere you can find podcasts. And he is a content and prop wagering machine spearheading all of the great things going on over at FTN Network, FTN Fantasy, FTN Daily, FTN Bets, Jeff Radcliffe. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. It's uh, uh, That's a lengthy list right there. I, I, never I probably left it all out, man. at one time. But uh, yeah, man, excited for week six. It's kind of weird having a week six start on a Wednesday, really. Um, but here we are. Yeah, it's been a... Wild season. I don't think we're through it yet. I think we'll continue to have curveballs thrown at us and schedules mixed up. And uh, we'll keep adjusting for you and, and bringing it to you on the fly for sure. Uh, wanted to remind you at the top, we've increased the ways you can consume Move the Line this year. Obviously still in podcast form. You can find us over there on Spotify as well. We'll be streaming live on 444's uh, Periscope weekly. Also be moving that over to YouTube and Twitch pages as well. Um, so again, let us keep the lights on for free. Subscribe, uh, share, let other people know we're out there. Continue to grow every week, uh, year over year as well. It's really exciting. So hopefully we are bringing you actionable content and we'll continue to do so with the best in the business like we have this week. So uh, before we jump into week six, I want to tell you a little bit about our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. We all love snake drafts. It's kind of how we all probably get started back in the day, season-long fantasy. We all love big prizes, but not everyone loves big entry fees or multi-week contests. Underdog Fantasy just released an all-new platform for their snake drafts. It's called Bet Royale, or Battle Royale, I'm sorry. Um, in Battle Royale, you can draft one-week team like you normally would. Instead of competing against other teams in your specific draft, you can compete with teams from other drafts. This way, they pull together the prizes so they can offer big tournaments, uh, big payouts, and keep the live snake draft platform. Uh, if you think this is your week and you can draft the best team, you have to try Battle Royale. Offers big upside. Uh, the n- normal snake drafts can't. So your um, first draft's already over there in the lobby. You get to sign up on the Underdog app or the website. It's 5 bucks to enter. $25,000 prize pool, paying out 5000 to first place. Don't forget to use the promo code 4 for 4 after you sign up. All right, so we have bye weeks continuing this week here in week six with the Seahawks, Saints, Raiders, and Chargers off the board, but let's jump into the slate. All right, guys, NFC East matchup off the top. We have the Washington football team on the road against the Giants here. Uh, Giants, two-and-a-half-point favorites in most books. 43-and-a-half is the total. Look-a-line, uh, look-a-head look lines had it at two-and-a-half. Uh, moved up to the Giants plus three-and-a-half. I don't know that the Giants should be favored against any team. Bet back down, though, to two-and-a-half. Looks like the Kyle Allen experience – it was short-lived, uh, leaving the game early with a helmet-to-helmet hit. Uh, and then we got a real roller coaster of emotions with Alex Smith returning to the field. Uh, just an incredible story. I don't know if anyone saw that amazing E60 story on all the things that he had to go through. But 
then naturally it just became like really concerning because the Washington offensive line just did not show up, could not block anybody. Uh, it's basically like that feeling of like teaching your kid to ride a bike for the first time. Like you're really excited that they're, they're like doing it, but you're like uber nervous that they're just going to fall and smash and break their head open. But it looks like Kyle Allen will be back here, but this, uh, this one should be interesting. I don't know that the giants should be favored against anyone. What are your thoughts on this one, Connor? Yeah, I mean, I think that the Alex Smith is the kid. He definitely fell. He just didn't crack his head open. Yeah, know, quite literally. Um, but this this game in particular is a little bit odd to break down because you know both teams are allowing a lot of points, but the Giants are eleventh in um, in yards per play allowed, and, and Washington is thirteenth in yards per play allowed. So, like from a for efficiency standpoint, neither of them are like that bad. Um, and Washington, particularly. They're third in passing success rate allowed, but 27th in explosive pass rate allowed. So really just a lot of interesting um, differences in the metrics here. Uh, personally, I'd probably lean under for both teams just because I don't believe in either of their offenses and both their defenses have been, you know, around average and efficiency, but no big place for me in this one. What are your thoughts on this one, Jeff? I, I think the Giants are, believe it or not, slightly turning a corner. There's a couple pieces of this team that have really impressed me, and, and I think it really starts with James Bradbury. We know what he did in his time with Carolina. He was a streaky up-and-down corner. You know, Times where he looked great as a shadow corner, there were times where he was exposed. But they have tasked him with shadowing opposing number ones, and he's done a nice job with that so far this season. I think the big question is whether or not they actually use him on Terry McLaurin because – traditionally you'd see Bradbury on a bigger body corner. I mean, you do see that from time to time. So like, for example, we haven't talked about the Bucks yet, obviously, but Jair Alexander, Mike Evans is not the type of receiver he shadows, right? So I, I don't know if we necessarily see that, but then I look up and down this roster and really where, where's the player who stands out on the Washington offense? You know, who is it? Even Antonio Gibson for what he is, I'm not that blown away. I mean, McLaren is great, and that's about it. Logan Thomas, really pulling for you, Logan. For fantasy <laughs> purposes, really pulling for you, but nobody stands out. So I actually buy the line here, and I do think that the Giants are going to win this one and cover uh, the three points just because uh, there's just not much there to be inspired by. And they, they have more firepower on their offensive side uh, than Washington does. For, you know, love or hate him, Devonta Freeman, they gave him 19 touches last week and he showed that he could carry that workload. You have the upside with Slayton. They're finally starting to figure out, oh, wait, Evan Ingram isn't Jason Witten. We can actually throw him targets and get him on the move, unlike Jason Witten. So I think that uh, it really sets up well for the Giants. Talks about Washington a lot, Connor. I guess our, maybe our priors coming into the season were a little stronger than they should be. We like some of the pieces on this team, McLaurin obviously being one of them, but it just hasn't been there regardless of who's been that quarterback. Obviously we haven't had a fair shake with anyone else, but yeah, uh, Washington 32nd in yards per drive, 31st in points per drive, dead last in drive success rate so far. It really has just been the Terry McLaurin show. And to Jeff's point, I mean, if it is Bradbury, he has been using actually Jeff's shadow index report over at FTN. Um, you know, it looks like there's a chance here. We could see Bradbury because there is literally no one left on that team. I mean, Steve Sims is out. Steve Sims isn't necessarily a guy that you would shadow anyone with to begin with. Um, there's just really nothing there on that side of the football. And I don't know that we can really be confident that Kyle Allen's the dude to take him over the finish line and really elevate this team to the next level. So uh, it's definitely an interesting one. I probably would lean um, a little bit on the under here as well. But I mean, if this gets to a little bit more than three, 
I'm probably going to take the points just because they're so bad on both sides. Um, not a, a whole lot of conviction on either side here. Uh, this next one's going to be a lot more fun. Falcons on the road against the Vikings. Minnesota, three-and-a-half-point favorites here at home. 55-and-a-half is the total. Pretty hefty, which makes sense. I mean, we're dealing with two of the worst passing defenses in the league. So far, early lean on both total bets and handle have come in on the Vikings. Number, though, is held steady at three-and-a-half. A good point made by our uh, guest in front of the show last week, Matthew Freeman. Not necessarily, I'm not a trends better. We don't talk about trends very often on the show. I think they're very noisy, especially if you start rolling back like over the last eight years. It's just, it's pointless. Um, at the same time, though, understanding some trends and it helps us look at spots that maybe we need to consider a little bit further when we're analyzing games. And actually per Bet Labs and Freeman himself, a really nice number on Mike Zimmer, um, 19-4-1, 83% against the spread as a non-divisional home favorites. Um, could check out this week. What are your thoughts, Jeff? I'm, I'm kind of wrapping my head around that. Yeah, I don't, I don't really buy into that sort of trend. That's fun that somebody spent the time to research that. And, and I know Friedman's a mad genius. So if, if he likes that, then I like it as well. I think you, you look at this first and foremost, obviously the Dan Quinn, Thomas Dimitrov era is over. Does that have a positive effect? I mean, you still have, you know, you have Raheem Morris, who was the, the defensive coordinator in it as the interim head coach. You still have Dirk Cutter there. How much was uh, Dirk Cutter? You, did he have complete say? And, and this was Dirk Cutter's offense all along, or is there some sort of impact here? I mean, we saw it with Bill O'Brien being out of the mix for Houston, Houston kind of looked good without Bill O'Brien there. So is that the case with Atlanta? Because there is a lot of firepower. Now, of course, can Julio Jones get healthy? That secondary is really bad, really bad. And they're actually, it's surprising, they're using Kendall Sheffield, who's basically their slot corner, as a shadow corner, which I don't, you know, they're kind of just grasping at straws, it seems, a little bit there. On the other side, of course, the big story, Dalvin Cook. And honestly, it's rare that you get an almost 100% correlation with your backup. Like Alexander Madison is basically 100% of Dalvin Cook, you know, so there's no drop off there. Justin Jefferson hitting the ground running. Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. But, you know, what I like what they're doing is they are collapsing the defense with the run game and they are throwing over top of the defense. High A dot for Adam Thielen, high A dot for Justin Jefferson. And they finally figured out that Irv Smith is a really good athlete, so get him involved. I think this game, Minnesota wins handily here. So even though I may not buy into the trend, I, I think the trend is going to fit here. That's kind of the point, right? You retrofit the trends yeah. to uh, have confirmation bias on your take for sure. I think they almost have three backs. Like yeah. I think Mike Boone might be a step below, but like no team – wants to run in more typically, and no team is really cut out to do so with the depth of running back. Uh, Connor, great scoring environment here. We know Minnesota, 31st in explosive pass rate allowed. Atlanta, 32nd. Uh, Jeff's talking about the deep A dots we've seen from Kirk Cousins. What are your takes here? Yeah, I mean, even beyond that, I mean, Minnesota is 25th in yards per play allowed. Atlanta is 31st. Uh, both teams have allowed 27 or more points in four or five games this season. Um, and obviously they have each have one outlier game, but still, I mean, both these teams have just been allowing crazy amounts of points. Um, I do agree. I think the Vikings try, Vikings try and lean on the run. Um, Atlanta is pretty uneven in these metrics as well. 24th in rushing success rate allowed, but ninth in adjusted line yards. Um, so I still think the Vikings lean that way. But like you said, the play action is going to be key against like a really 
you know, poor Atlanta secondary. Uh, I think we could see a massive Ridley game against this Viking secondary. Uh, we have Ridley projected for 98 yards over at four for four. Um, Paulson is not shy about posting, you know, the really high uh, guys. And I mean, he did it last the last four weeks with Metcalf and it's basically panned out. I think he's had like him projected for a hundred yards pretty much every week. And that's been spot on seems crazy, but it really isn't. So, I mean, in this spot too, we saw, so the Vikings last week kind of like shaded their safeties over the top because they knew the Seahawks like to go over the top. I think Ridley's route tree is a little bit more diverse, especially just with how Atlanta uses him. So I think that he'll have plenty of success regardless. Um, and if Julio's out, I mean, he's going to see like, you know, 10 to 15 targets in this one. I worry about the upside with Atlanta without Julio. We've just seen it for the last couple of weeks. They just do not have the same ability to, to consistently put the points up on the board. And I know that this Minnesota defense is something we've wanted to attack in DFS. We've been looking at in the prop market very often, but uh, I just, I don't think that there's, I think this kind of becomes a blowout situation if there's no uh, Julio Jones here. Uh, Jeff mentioned Big Irv. I mean, season high, 73% of his uh, snaps. He ran a route last week. That's exciting. I know that this is a Big Irv friendly space here. Uh, having Connor having a lot of Big Irv, I think, in season long over the last Too couple much. years. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be interested to see if there's no Julio, if we get a little bit of flop lag with uh, Olamide Zacchaeus. We saw that last week with Brandon Cooks with the air ball in the previous week and then comes out and hangs some crooked numbers. I think maybe you could see that here as well. I mean, ran a, a route on 100% of Matt Ryan's dropbacks, but uh, one catch for 13 yards and three targets was not super exciting. But again, this feels like a great spot for the Vikings, Vikings passing game, Vikings running game, and uh, Vikings just as a, as a win in general. All right, next we have Chicago on the road against the Panthers. Carolina short favorites here at home, two and a half. Total at 45. Looks like we have a few 44 and a halfs out there as well. Last week, three straight wins for the Panthers, all without Christian McCaffrey in the lineup. Uh, the preseason win total was just five and a half. Looks like a, that was a number that I know both Connor and I were on. Oh. What's up? Is that you? I think that's you. I think it's your uh, traffic on the this, on this streets. Yeah, there you go. Mute yourself. Uh, Bears entering with a bit of extra rest here after their home win on Thursday night against the Bucks. So far, the public backing the Bears, nearly 80% of the handle, coming in on the league's most fraudulent 4-1 football team. Uh, although I will say I am impressed by how the Bears have defended the pass, considering that they are not getting any pressure at all. 27 the pressure rate. And they've done pretty well at defending the pass. What are your thoughts on this one, Jeff? Well, I think you're spot on there. You know, you normally it's pick on the rookie corner, right? Now I'm impressed with Jalen Johnson so yeah. far. He has held his own. It's a really tough position to transition from the college level. A lot of times these kids are not asked to do the same things that they're asked to do at the pro level. So yeah, very impressed there. Um, do, do we do we see Le'Veon Bell in this game for the Bears? I think that's the other question we have to throw out there. Uh, who knows where he lands? But I, I got to get a Lev Bell reference in there just to trigger people. Uh, I, I think this one really sets up well for Carolina. They're maybe not as bad as we thought on the defensive side of the ball. They still can't defend the run. Don't let Kenyon Drake fool you. Uh, Todd Gurley had a really efficient game. Only played thirty six snaps last week and was able to put up that stat line. By the way. Todd Gurley only played 36 snaps last week, so let's remember that one. Brian Hill played 20 snaps. Uh, but um, in this game, I'm just really impressed with what Joe Brady has been doing. You have uh, 
you have some limitations with Teddy Bridgewater. He's a low A dot quarterback, but when you have a guy like DJ Moore who can catch and run and how they've obviously committed, you know, we should have seen it coming. We should have seen the Temple connection with Robbie Anderson and Matt Rule, and it's just like, yeah, that makes sense. Of course they're going to use Robbie Anderson like crazy, but it's working what they're doing with Robbie Anderson. It's working what they're doing with Mike Davis. As Twitter will remind me, every stinking day, yes, four weeks ago, I was wrong about Mike Davis. I, we're there now. He works in this system. I don't even think it looks that good, but it works. And they're actually starting to build some momentum. It looks like Matt Rule and the regime is is kind of getting everybody into the mindset that they want them in, and it's and it's working. So I, I think they actually take this game. You know, I may not have said that a couple weeks ago, but I, I'm buying in. You know, it's a minus two and a half. I'll take Carolina on that. I don't think it's a high scoring affair. Uh, so the under looks kind of appealing there. And then of course, of course, Carolina on the money line. Love it. Uh, what are your thoughts here, Connor? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think you guys hit a lot of the good points here. The probably the two ones that I'm most interested in would be, you know, a David Montgomery props potentially after you know he um, struggled against the Bucks and the Colts, two very good uh, teams at defending the run run. And so now with three going out, he's handling north of 80 percent of the work. So I mean, I think maybe we catch some low props here, you know, like mid 40s, like low 50s, something like that, and he can rush for like 60 or 70. Um, so I think that that could be something to pay attention to with Carolina struggling so much. And then also maybe some Allen Robinson props. I mean, he's just been an absolute monster this season. Um, and Carolina's allowed hundred yards in three straight games to the opponent's number one wide receiver. So I think that, you know, there's no reason to go away from him at this point. Uh, I'm not sure that the number is going to be really all that great, but, um, I mean, for him to go over hundred yards, maybe you can get some good juice on that. Yeah, uh, that was all I had was Montgomery props and Allen Robinson props. Definitely want to take a look at those for sure. I mean, Montgomery is never going to ever feel super good about it, but like he's just not coming off the field right now. And it's enough in the spot where we'll have a neutral game script, I would think, for most. And even if we don't, he's obviously kind of slid into that passing game role there in the backfield. And yeah, super nice. I think you'll have, uh, based on feels the way that the books kind of lay these out, based on previous weeks, they're not super tight lines. And I think we'll be able to find some soft numbers on Montgomery. All right, next we have uh, Detroit on the road against Jacksonville. Detroit, three and a half point favorites here on the road. Uh, 54 and a half is the total. few 54s out there too. Looks like Detroit here traveling off a bye to Jacksonville. Uh, so far, Detroit is the lean in the marketplace. About 65% of the bets, 90% of the money backing the Lions on the road, which is Always a tough sentence to say. Um, coming off of a bye and facing the league's worst defense is a pretty nice spot, so it's hard to argue. Uh, Jeff, what are your thoughts here? Jacksonville really banged up, uh, and and that's really that's been the story of 2020 for a lot of teams that may not look necessarily that good. Uh, so Detroit coming in, Kenny Galladay with a week off to hopefully now finally fully be over that hamstring injury because he was back, but he wasn't 100%. Uh, of course, you have him along with Marvin Jones with the you know the nice one-two there. And I honestly think DeAndre Swift, this it's slowly, incrementally going to get better and better and better because we're almost at November football. So I think there's a lot of you know there's there's just too much there uh, for Jacksonville. Obviously, on the Jacksonville side, though, you know you're talking about player props, and we'll be looking at, at James Robinson's player props. Hopefully, the lines don't go too high on those because this is a nice matchup for him, and he's seeing such heavy usage in that offense. Now, anybody worried about DJ Chark last week? Don't be too worried. I've gotten numerous questions. Hey, is LaVishka Chenault 
passive. No, and they're really not the same role in that offense. DJ Chark is an ex-receiver. Chenault is a move him all around the formation, including in the backfield type player. He's an offensive weapon. And I wouldn't be phased by the four targets for Chark and the eight targets by for Chenault because Shark was was shadowed in that game by Bradley Roby. Bradley Roby shadowed every single week this season. He's the only player to say that so far this year, and he will be the only player to say that. Uh, it's it's really impressive what he's done. Not really the most heralded veteran in the league. You know, he did have that time where he was the other guy, basically in the trio of Broncos corners. But he's done a nice job and really put a blanket on DJ Chark last week. So. Either way, about the game itself, I, I do buy into to, you know where the public is going on this one. I think Detroit wins handily. I think Jackson is re- Jacksonville is reeling after this game. They basically are dead last in any metric that matters defensively, um, especially against the pass. They've just been atrocious. I'm interested to see, to your point with Kenny Galladay coming back, if we get a little bit more of that Daryl Bevel, Matthew Stafford, you know, deep a dot that we saw last year that had us all excited about this passing attack in the off season. We haven't seen it so far. We saw it a little bit in that Arizona game. We saw a little bit more. Um, I think Stafford's a dot was like two yards higher than his season average. So if you're right, we get that bye week Galloway is a little bit more healthy. Maybe we see a little bit more aggressiveness and obviously Jacksonville is right for the picking if they do intend in to do so. Connor, any leans on this spot? I have uh, the James Robinson props written down as well. I guess, you know, my only concern here is just that if they fall behind too much at all, like, you know, he'll still be used and he'll still be on the field. Um, it'll just be more in passing situations. So I don't know, maybe taking it like a fantasy prop situation rather than just a pure like rushing prop. Um, that might be my lean for that. But I mean, it is just a fantastic matchup against Detroit who um, is, you know, getting destroyed on the ground. Like you said, I mean, Jacksonville is super weak. They're injured. They're banged up. So, yeah, I would lean Detroit here. The total seems a little bit high, but, I mean, both these defenses are just so bad and both offenses have been competent for most of the season that, um, I'm, I mean, I probably lean over. It's just something that I might not take just because I feel like the market has kind of already factored that in. Yeah, Detroit plays with pretty good pace, uh, plays with a decent amount of no huddle as well, and sometimes they'll raise the pace of play for their opponents. But uh, I think I'd have to worry about the total here as well, if Jacksonville happens to get up, because I do think they'll be so run heavy and they do like to slow it down. So a little nervous. I mean, Chris Thompson played a little bit more last week than we've seen the last couple of weeks. Robinson's passing game work has felt a little bit unsustainable. He's just, he's being targeted quite often for running so few routes. But again, I mean, his work on the ground is, is kind of unmatched there. There's really no threats to anyone else. So, I think points are going to be plentiful there. Definitely going to be an exciting game to uh, to attack in the prop market. All right, next we have Cleveland on the road against the Steelers. Steelers, three-and-a-half-point favorites here at home. 51 is the total. Look-aheads have this at four. It opened at five-and-a-half and then moved quickly back down. Um, and I think it'll hold steady here probably most of the week. This number three-and-a-half feels like kind of the right line. Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, we're actually so it just moved down to three, oh, okay. um, like like thirty minutes an hour before the, the show. I actually took Pittsburgh minus three, and I points bet them at minus three and a half. Um, I just in this game, like I really see like Cleveland wants to run the ball, but they are now playing against the number one run defense in Pittsburgh, who you know has a stout defense and their number one rushing success rate allowed, first in adjusted line yards. Um, so I mean, I think that this is probably just a matchup where, you know, the Browns try and run the ball and then they don't have too much success. So then it ends up with, 
the Steelers offense going against the Cleveland defense, who is, you know, pretty much average, 22nd passing success rate, 15th in yards per play. Um, I mean, notably, they are 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed, one of four fours metrics. So from a fantasy perspective, you know, Big Ben should have a good game here. Um, and then uh, maybe we see a Juju bounce back matching up against Brown slot corner, Tavier Thomas, who's like a third year undrafted free agent. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess that I'm, I like Pittsburgh here. Uh, I think that they end up winning by a touchdown or more. Um, but, you know, I, I can see that. I mean, Cleveland's been running really hot, but I, I think the Steelers team is just legit all around. Jeff, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. Now, the the rushing stats, though, uh, Miles Sanders, That a lot of folks in fantasy talked themselves into benching Miles Sanders last week because of the Steelers' run defense. And granted, I mean, they absolutely shut down Saquon Barkley earlier in the season, but I don't think that they're completely unbeatable for Kareem Hunt and, you know, the to the lesser extent for Ernest Johnson. He'll get his 8 to 10 touches in this one as well. But I do agree that it's going to be tough for Cleveland to establish that run in this contest. And I don't know if there's really enough there. You know, the, the, the corners are pretty good for Pittsburgh as well. So I don't know if we're going to see a lot of Odell Beckham and uh, Jarvis Landry in this one. So it's going to be a tough contest. And I think obviously a lot of eyes are going to be on Chase Claypool, whether or not he can actually be more than a one-game wonder, which he kind of already is a little bit, but obviously that game was so massive. The genie is officially out of the bottle with him, and regardless of Deontay Johnson's status, Claypool is going to be a factor here. And, you know, we've seen Ben in the past. We know what he does. He locks into that guy, whoever that guy is. It was AB, AB for a long time, but he will lock into that guy, and once he loves you, he'll love you till the day you die, and he will pepper you with targets. So, I agree here. I think minus three. I'm taking the Steelers all day long on that one. This is just a tough contest for the Browns. Browns are a good team. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think they have enough to go into Pittsburgh and win. Talk about it every week. We have a Steelers game every year where they just absolutely lay an egg. And it's typically not in a division game at home. It's usually in a out of division game on the road against a way lesser opponent. They get kind of get up for these matchups. And I feel like this has moved down to three. I'm very interested in, in Pittsburgh side. There's, I do a, a chart with all the what I find to be in the important defensive stats of the week. There's a lot of green across the board for Pittsburgh. You know, they are a top five, top ten unit. Um, they do happen to be thirtieth in explosive pass rate allowed this season. So, I do think they could have a, you know, it could again be just a small sample size of five weeks, but it could be a play action type scenario where they're not having any success running against Pittsburgh. You could see some big plays or at least some, you know, air, air yard type attempts for <laughs> Odell here. So I, I just don't know what to make of Chase, of Chase Claypool with no Deontay in the lineup. It was just such a weird, wonky thing. I just I think after having four touchdowns, he's not going anywhere. He's definitely going to carve out that role and work in there in that James Washington role. They like to run a lot of three receiver sets. All right, next we have Cincinnati on the road against the Colts. Indy eight point favorites at home. 46 and a half is the total. Looks like it's moving up a little bit. There's some 47s out there as well. So far, folks taking the points, nearly 85% of the money coming in on the Bengals. Uh, probably a lot of that early as it opened at nine and a half. Uh, Cleveland winning outright against Indy was my favorite play on the board last week. I know that became a pretty popular play as well. I just don't know really what to make of the Colts early in the season based on that schedule. And that was a tough spot being short road favorites back-to-back weeks. And uh, finally, they they caught an L 
Now they are back home facing the Bengals team who was busy picking their quarterback back up off the ground. He was destroyed last week. Uh, he was hit 15 times, sacked seven. I think that the Ravens were like 25th in pressure rate heading into the week, and now they're sixth. So they had a pretty good re- week against this uh, this Bengals offensive line. Uh, the Colts going to do that again, Jeff? What are your thoughts on this one? Well, I mean, the Bengals' offensive line is really weak in the middle, and they're going to have to face DeFor- DeForest Buckner. You know, this, this Colts' defense is really good. So I, I think Joe – and I'm going to say this for the for the people in, in the back rows. His last name is Burrow, not Burrows, okay? <laughs> Joe Burrow is going to have his hands full in this one. I feel for him. It's it's one of those things like I really hope that and I don't think it really will come to this, but I hope it doesn't come to a David Carr type thing where he just gets annihilated in his first year because his offensive line stinks. I mean, there are right uh, at the tackle spots, but the interior is just brutal. Uh, I, I'm encouraged by T.Y. Hilton's usage last week. You know, it gets kind of lost in the, the fantasy points angle of it. But he did have 10 targets. That's kind of what you want to see. Frank Wright coming out this week saying we are not even thinking about benching Phillip Rivers. So he'll, you know, at least have a little bit of a leash here. You know, when you say that, of course, you have thought about benching Phillip Rivers. (laughs) Uh, But I I think, you know, Indy gets the game they want here. I think they get the script they want. They get out to a lead and they hammer with Jonathan Taylor and probably, you know, not to our fantasy liking but a little bit of Jordan Wilkins as well. And I, I think they just handled this game. And, um, you know, the, the line, I, I, I agree that um, it's pretty high, but moving down to minus eight, minus eight feels about right. I'm not going to play this, but I think that line's pretty good where it is. Connor, I know by law you've basically locked yourself into taking a Bengals money line every week. You've been kind of uh, heavily touting, touting them. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? I know. I, I, I love, like, I have an irrational love at this point for the Bengals, but just after watching, you know, my dude Joe Burrow get beat down, like, repetitively, just, like, all game, like, he was on the ground, he was running around, like, there was, he just didn't have a chance, so, I don't know, I think this is kind of a similar situation with this Indianapolis D, which has been, I mean, very good, like, they gave up 29 points to Cleveland, but that part of that was a pick six, um, I mean, otherwise they allowed 11, 7, 11 points, and then 27 week one against the Jags, but that seemed to be kind of an outlier, so, yeah, I mean, I think that this is going to be this is just another really tough spot for Cincinnati. I actually, you know, I'm not taking Cincinnati money line this week, but um, I do. I, I think what uh, Jeff said is probably where I'm going to attack this game with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Bengals are allowing 5.25 yards per carry, second most rushing yards so far on the season, and they're 30th in explosive run rate. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I know all that. All that's like a little bit smaller sample, but I think that it's. Uh, I think it's just too good of a spot. And like you said, I mean, they're big favorites um, at home. So, yeah, I, I think that if we get some numbers there, probably in like the, you know, like low 60s, something like that, mid 60s, I think we could see. I, I'll take the over for sure. Yeah, I'm going to wait and see personally on Jonathan Taylor. Like Jeff said, we're just seeing too much Wilkins. It's just not, it's it's just caps the upside. Um, basically a non-existent pass game role. Unfortunately, we saw a little bit sprinkled in early and teased us all. It just is not really happening yet. I know we want to be in before it happens, but I just think there's other ways to attack this for sure. I, I like the T.Y. Hilton call. I mean, we all wanted to bury him across the industry. I mean, he was barely topping 50% snaps. And then last week, 95% of the snaps running a route on every single drop back for Phillip Rivers. Really nice spot for him. We know historically we love him 
at home on that fast turf. Uh, I don't know if Rivers can hit him deep, but it's a pretty good spot for him to to break one on the underneath. And really underreported this week is the retirement of AJ Green. No one's really talking about it, but uh, kind of mid game, he just did. You see that like the interception highlights? Oh, that was so good. Just totally had a line to tackle the guy and made a a business decision to just oh yeah veer left and uh, head down the field in case he beat the other three or four guys. He'd be down there waiting for him at the goal line, but. Pretty interesting spot. That kind of emerges, uh, kind of T. Higgins is emerging. He's kind of a uh, arrow pointing up guy, and he still probably has some pretty light numbers in the prop market. It's done name value alone, and there's so many mouths to feed there. So we know he likes to run some underneath routes. Matt Eberflus historically has played some of that Tampa 2 deep zone stuff. They like to allow things underneath, and I think that T. Higgins could be a name to watch in the prop market this week too. All right, next says uh, Baltimore on the road against the Eagles. Baltimore, seven and a half point favorites on the road. 47 and a half is the total in most spots. This one opened at seven. Now basically seven and a half across the market, unless I missed anything in the last little bit. Um, it looks like a slight lean on the bets and money here on the Ravens side. All things considered, I thought Carson Wentz held up pretty well last week against that Pittsburgh pass rush based on what we've seen the last few weeks with Wentz and we know the struggles that Eagles offensive line, see if he can do it two weeks in a row. The uh, obviously the Ravens blitzed a ton last week. And as I mentioned earlier, had a lot of success in doing so, Jeff, what are your thoughts on this game? Well, we, we talk about air yards since it's the buzz topic right now. Uh, and Carson Wentz has been pretty high in that number so far this season, but I, I found one of the weirdest stats. So John Hightower, what he, he had two catches for what? 16 yards last week, right? Over 200 air yards. How does that even happen? Uh, obviously, Travis Fulgham had the breakout game there. Everybody's disappointed in Zach Ertz, but I'm not going to bury the body of work for the last two weeks. Miles Sanders is continuing to ball out. He he was a star last week in that in that loss to the Steelers. So I think, and and you know, I am in the Philadelphia area, and I I know that uh, it's usually when the collective Eagles fan base is completely out that the Eagles go and they win a game they should not win. This is definitely it has that feel to it. I don't know if they necessarily win, but I actually do like Philly at plus seven and a half. I think this could be a low scoring affair as well. The Philly run defense is pretty good. Uh, I'm looking on the other side, though, in particular at Marquise Brown. Talk about air yards as well. Not only that, last week, four end zone targets for him. It just feels like this game is brewing. Like, would we be surprised if Marquise Brown went out and put up like 190 yards and three scores? Not at all, right? That's brewing. So I'm keeping a close eye on what his numbers are. But uh, I think Philly's kind of sneaky here. Yeah, he's been on the precipice of that a few times. A couple in, like I think, tackled at the one a couple times. He just looks healthier than he was last year. That is a pretty narrow target tree. It's basically just Hollywood and Mark Andrews over and over again. And Andrews isn't even that busy outside of the red zone. He's just peppered with red zone targets over and over again. Uh, sounds like we had a little bit of that Curtis Samuel role last year. That was basically the air yard, just empty air yards from Kyle Allen, just 20, 40 yards down the field, completely uncatchable. Connor, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think at seven and a half, I probably lean Philly. I thought this number should have been closer to seven. Um, and then with the total, I mean, it seems low for a high scoring or a team like Baltimore that can easily just score 30 by themselves. But 
you know, when you look at the metrics, both these teams are fifth and sixth in yards per play allowed, and both are top 10 in explosive run and pass rate allowed. So, I mean, they're not allowing big plays on a consistent basis. You know, they're not allowing chunk plays. So really when you look at it from that aspect um, and I just, I mean, I think this is probably about right. Like it's probably going to be closer to like a 2017 game than uh, what the markets are suggesting. So yeah, I'd lean under, I'd lean Philly, um, but not too much on either side here in terms of the prop market, but uh, might change my mind there when I check out our, our projections. Yeah. Total feels a little high. Jeff, what do you make of Lamar running two times for three yards last week? I think there's something going on there. Yeah. Um, I think there's something being hidden. And we do know this happens more often than not. I, I keep pointing back to uh, the Cam Newton season, the season before, so 2018, when they did the um, All or Nothing Amazon show. So we knew sort of towards the end that Cam was really hurt. And then he, you know, didn't play the end of the season, right? But he was actually really hurt in the very beginning of the season and played through it the entire year. So oftentimes this does happen in NFL organizations. We can see it with Lamar. There's times where, you know, we've seen that burst early this season, but there's also been times like last week where something looked a little off there. Uh, I'll say this so I'm blue in the face. Don't draft a quarterback in the second round. I don't care who he is. They do not call it historic because it happens every year. And unfortunately, people are learning that lesson the hard way. And it's not a knock on Lamar. He's freaking awesome, but they're learning it the hard way this year. Yep. Yeah, it definitely feels fishy. It just I know that he, he's talked about not wanting to run as much, but this is that's an anomaly. Two carries for three yards. Like there's definitely something going on with his knee. A little worrisome for sure. All right. Next we have Denver on the road against New England. Uh, New England favored by 10 here at home. I think FanDuel has it at nine and a half. We uh, can't keep kicking the can down the road for this game any longer. Uh, looks like we're finally going to get this one to play. Um, possibly looks like both teams are going to have their intended starters back at quarterback here. With both teams putting in a full practice with Drew Locke and Cam Newton. Looks like Stefan Gilmore will be cleared for this one as well. It's pretty encouraging. Uh, most of the action here so far coming in on Denver, taking the points. Um, we don't know the status of Melvin Gordon who uh, was pulled over on Tuesday, incited for DUI. I don't know if he was drinking or if he was high, but like, I don't understand how you could be a professional athlete nowadays. Just call and get an Uber, call a driver. You have so much at your disposal. Yeah. To like uh, whatever. They apparently have a rideshare program too. Like, uh, I don't know, like a free rideshare thing for players. So I just don't get it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, no excuse there. I think it was, I think it was drunk. I thought that there was like the reports where that he was like slurring and then he got pulled out um, and breathalyzed. But yeah, I mean, this is just silly. Yeah. Ridiculous. But Connor, I'll kick it to you first. This is, you know, my team versus your team, but you've, I brought you over to the dark side this year. You are a full on Cam Newton stand. Uh, what do you do in this one? Yeah, I know. I do. I do really like Cam Newton. I'm. I think I'm most excited to just see how Damian Harris looks now with Cam Newton back. We know running quarterbacks tend to boost the efficiency of uh, running backs. Um, the issue is, is that in this spot, like the Denver defense has made, remained pretty good. Our, our top ten in most metrics. Um, so I don't really think that there's going to be an offensive offensive explosion here either way. I mean, the team total that we're looking at, or like the implied team total, there's no official team totals out, is like right around 28 points for New England. 
I mean, that honestly almost feels a little bit high. Um, I don't really see them scoring, you know, dropping 35. As much as I love the Patriots, I'm just not sure that this is the matchup. And then on the other side of the ball here with Denver, I think, you know, like they're going to probably try and slow the game down and run the ball as well. So I'm expecting kind of a slower paced game where, with both teams trying to attack the other via the run. Um, I mean, I'm probably not touching this game either way, to be honest, but I'm mostly just going to be looking at Damian Harris here. And then we know that if the Patriots get behind, like Cam Newton's plenty capable of getting the ball to – Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry, but I just don't see that happening in this one as 10-point favorites. So um, the good thing is uh, Denver gets Drew Locke back, but, I mean, with, you know, lessened weapons, I'm not really sure that he's going to be, you know, running at full capacity in his first week back here. So, yeah, I'm probably off this game in general, just kind of more of a wait-and-see approach with both teams, you know, moving a lot of pieces here. Total feels a little high. I agree with you there. New England's definitely left a lot of points on the board. I mean, they're – I think second in place per drive, they're fourth in yards per drive, but they're just 23rd in points per drive. I mean, it's a little noisy. That can obviously, you know, work a little bit in their favor moving forward, but they've uh, they've definitely left plays. I'm interested to see what happens with just from a fantasy perspective and Damian Harris's usage in the red zone. Basically, it was not involved in the passing game at all in week four against the Chiefs, and then it was mostly Rex Burkhead when they got inside the red zone. So I know they talked him up in the offseason about – especially in, in camp. I mean, he was a dynamic pass catcher, really wasn't his profile coming out of Alabama, but if they can start to be a little bit more dynamic like they've been in the past and not really pigeonhole what they're doing offensively based on the running back, which has just been so unbelichick like the last couple of years of not really having a, a versatile running back. It's basically James White, and it's a little bit more indicative of we're going to be passing, and then Sony Michelle and kind of leaning their hand, knowing that they're going to be running. And maybe my hope is Harris is kind of, allows them to be a little bit more multiple. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game, Jeff? Uh, Josh McDaniel's revenge. Oh, <laughs> let's, get, let's get after the revenge narratives. <laughs> um, by the way, I do think that, you know, Melvin, well, I agree. Melvin Gordon, complete idiot. Um, and, and it was a speeding. He was way over the speed limit. So he so wasn't high. You're basically not... that's not a weed thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but either way, the league, the league typically lets a legal process play out. So, his arraignment isn't even until November 13th. So at this point, I don't think the league does anything. Now, some had speculated the team was going to step in. Maybe the team suspends him. There was, of course, Twitter went wild like, hey, they're going to love on Bell. No, yeah. <laughs> not, not happening. Definitely not happening. And usually, so I don't want to underplay or you know undersell. This is bad. It's definitely bad. But it's by no means the worst thing that we've seen uh, happen sure. in the NFL in recent seasons. So in those extreme instances, the team could cut the player. We have seen that a few times for sure. Uh, we, we have seen the league even potentially step in and put a player on commissioner's exempt. I don't think this fits the bill for any of them. Uh, this was Melvin Gordon making a, a, an idiot mistake, definitely. Uh, but not something egregious. I think he even plays this week, and and I don't even know if we see a suspension until next year. Sometimes you'll get that, right? A player will be suspended, and you're like, wait, for what? Oh, yeah, that thing like last year. Okay. So that could be the case here if you're thinking about that from a fantasy standpoint. Now, I'm looking at this. I'm, I agree. I'm staying away from the game itself, but I think there could be some interesting prop markets, and I'm really hoping the Demir Bird line is too high so that we can just – hammer the under on whatever those lines are for receptions or receiving yards. I am interested to see super cam back under center. I'm loving what he is doing with this team and I'm loving how they're using him. Uh, so I'm glad to see that he's officially off the COVID list. 
And I agree. That's going to be interesting to see what happens with Damian Harris. There's a there's definitely a split out there. There are a lot of people, including some of my colleagues over at FTN, who think he's more of a Jag type. I'm not quite there. I, I actually liked some of the things that we saw out of him. I uh, you know in in his only game this season, he looked like he had more burst than Sony Michelle. Brings a little bit more of that dynamic ability, not super dynamic, but more than Sony Michelle. And I think that's a good thing for this offense. So I'll be keeping a close eye on that as well. Yeah, I'm excited on that. The only lean I have, like I said, I think the total is a little high. So if you can get 46 and a half out there, uh, just to Connor's point, I mean, yes, Drew Locke coming back, but it, the weapons are just so depleted there. It's just kind of a mess. So I just don't see a lot of points. And New England's had, you know, they've kind of underperformed defensively. They've obviously had a lot of guys opt out through COVID to the beginning of the year. But I feel like historically, too, we see these Belichick defenses kind of find their footing as we get into this October, November, December stuff, and they still have enough weapons there, especially if Gilmore's back, to really limit what I think the Broncos want to do here. All right, next we have Houston on the road against Tennessee, staying in the division here, AFC South. Tennessee, three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. 53-and-a-half is the total. Been a short week for the Titans, although they are well-rested. They were only having legal practices for a couple of weeks. They looked pretty good on Tuesday nights. Um, and now we obviously have to um, stay at home and, and handle in the division here. This one opened with the Titans listed at five and a half point favorites. The public has been all over Tennessee here, both in overall bets and money, but the line has sharply moved the other way down to three and a half in most spots. I even saw a three earlier today at points bet, which I thought was pretty interesting. Jeff, what are your thoughts on this game? I think, you know, maybe that's underselling what Tennessee did last night. I think they were flawless on the offensive side of the ball. I, I They didn't make a mistake. Every time they got in the red zone, they put the ball in the end zone. Uh, they didn't turn the ball over. I mean, this was a historically good game. The likes of we, – we, we haven't really seen since 07. I mean, the last time we saw a performance like that offensively was the New England Patriots in 2007. And, of course, their opponent in that game – was the Buffalo Bills. So uh, there you go with that. But, you know, they were awesome. And it was really encouraging to see A.J. Brown get back and just be the, the A.J. Brown we expected him to be. Jonu Smith, efficient in the red zone. Derrick Henry, not the most efficient on the ground, but getting it done when he needed to. And, of course, one of the most beautiful stiff arms you'll see in your life on Josh Norman. And it looked like it was rubbing off on Darrington Evans because I saw a couple of nice <laughs> stiff arms out of him. And he's not a big guy. So I love what we're seeing there on the offensive side for Tennessee. And defensively, maybe they got a little bit lucky. Of course, the first Malcolm Butler interception was, yeah, a nice bounce, but they played a really solid game. I, I just can't see Houston, as good as they did look last week, really mustering anything, especially because where they struggle is against the run. So Derrick Henry, where's this prop line going to be? You know, is this going to be one of the rare uh, triple-digit prop line numbers for rushing yards, it probably will. On the other side, all the talk about Duke Johnson. Hey, any fantasy folks, Duke Johnson is never going to be an early down runner in the NFL, never going to happen. Never, ever, 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 ever going to happen. So don't think it's going to happen. But he probably will be more involved in the passing game with Rom Romeo Cornell's uh, talk there. So David Johnson falling out of favor yet again. Uh, this will be interesting to see what Brandon Cooks uh, comes in at as well. Hopefully that prop line is a little high so we can hammer the unders on that one. But I think Tennessee just just crushes Tex the Texans in this one. Disparaging the U's all-time leading rusher, Jeff. Uh, 
Yeah, never gonna happen. Who, it's, who it's, did he have? Every you know, like all those other guys. It was like they only had like one year to be the starter because there true. were like three guys ahead of him who were older who were that much better. You know, there was nobody <laughs> there when Duke Johnson was there. Yeah, no, he's the, that's kind of when they started to not be the you anymore. Yep. Yeah, so that's a, that's a good point for sure. Yeah, this one feels it feels too low. I'm interested in the total too. I mean, uh, Titans, even though they are kind of leaning heavy on being a run first team. They play pretty fast. They're third in situation neutral pace. They run a crap ton of no huddle, especially for being a run heavy team. And uh, if they can keep up, obviously, I don't know if we're going to go six for six in the red zone with touchdowns, but they showed efficiency like this last season too. And the AJ Brown thing looked really nice last week. Obviously helps when Corey Davis is out, Adam Humphreys is out, kind of narrows the target share, but he really dominated and looked really good. Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, not too much on the side. We'd probably lean Tennessee here. Um, I mean, it is worth noting both these defenses are bad. Like you guys said, 26th and 27th in yards per drive are allowed. Um, the A.J. Brown returning thing is big. But, again, in the prop market, I think we're going to have to, you know, put a little bit of warning in. Like you said, Corey Davis is out. Adam Humphreys is out. Now he's going to be matching up against Bradley Roby, who's actually been shadowing, you know, for all five weeks during the season. He's shadowed Tyreek Hill, Marquise Brown, Deontay Johnson, Adam Thielen, and DJ Chark. And those, those players have combined for just 10 catches for 84 yards. And um, those guys, like, you know, played a little bit better throughout those games, but that's because they moved into the slot. A.J. Brown has played 89% of his uh, snaps on the outside. So we're actually going to see a wide receiver quarter, quarterback matchup that, you know, I think has a lot of merit because they're actually going to see each other for a good majority of the game. So, you know, it's not necessarily going to be a fading A.J. Brown, but I'm just I'm very interested to see what his uh, markets open up at. Um, and, and see where it goes from there. Because I think that, I mean, he looked back, but again, there was low target competition and I don't really think that the matchup was all that difficult. So uh, it's just something for me to, for us to look for. He's really cheap on DraftKings. I feel like he'll be really popular. Yeah. Typically we see that too. When we have those primetime games, they get priced before the game happens. He kind of erupted. He's only 5,600. I think he'll be very, very popular there. I think he's fairly cheap on FanDuel as well. Though, uh, haven't got over there yet. They're letting them shake their things out over on FanDuel before we <laughs> jump in back over there. But uh, yeah, this one should be, uh, again, I think I like the total. I, I think the, uh, especially if it continues to track down a little bit, um, I think I'm going to be interested in, in taking the over. All right, we have another divisional matchup. Jets on the road against Miami. Dolphins, uh, nine and a half point favorites at home. I mean, it's the Dolphins. They look really good last week, and the public is reacting. 47.5 is the total. It feels very high in a game involving the New York Jets. Sam Darnold out again. Le'Veon Bell's a free agent. Good times in New York. Uh, look Ahead's had it at eight. Uh, it's been bet a ton, obviously, with uh, the double-digit win there with the Dolphins traveling to San Francisco and putting a absolute whooping on the Niners. Props to Silva, who was on the Dolphins' money line last week. I tried to tell him he was a crazy person. Me too. Um, I hope you bet it. I hope <laughs> he you bet did. it. He did. Okay. Yeah. Cause uh, yeah, we talked about it at lunch last Saturday and uh, I thought that that was a crazy bet, but uh, probably plus three twenty or something like that. I think it was so good for him. Uh, but the dolphins look good. I mean, we talked about it in the off season. We are encouraged by a lot of the things they're doing just as a team, you know, with, with developments, they've obviously been able to, Fleece the Texans. They're going to have another couple of great draft picks in this draft. I thought they were kind of a year away. 
think they probably still are. But that was a nice win last week, even against the depleted Niners team to go east to west and have a win like that. Um, Jeff, Joe Flacco, Frank Gore, can you sell me on the Jets? I would do my Evan Silva impersonation, but I can't do it without cursing. So I'll, I'll take that for <laughs> when the cameras are off. Um, I do a good Silva. But, um, yeah, man, wow. <laughs> wow. Is Jeff Smith their second best player on offense right now? I mean, obviously, Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder is their best player. Like, what does yeah. that say? And, and it's not a knock on Crowder, but what does that say about what you have going on there? It's it's such a bizarre season for so many reasons, but they just are playing this like a very bad fantasy manager. And, I, I mean – on the other side, that's where all my intrigue is, obviously, at this point. Um, Devontae Parker really starting to kind of look like he's healthy. You have uh, the the Preston Williams and Isaiah Ford thing going on, like who's it going to be this week thing. You have the obvious upside with Mike Gesicki. And then everybody's, you know, favorite, uh, you know, fantasy darling this year in Miles Gaskin in a really nice matchup as well. I'm going to be really intrigued by his props. I don't think we're going to get the, maybe the best lines here, but the last couple of weeks have been relatively tough matchups, so maybe those are all right. I think the bigger question, you know, and I, I'm going to stay away from the uh, the money line here. I do think the under is in play for sure. Um, I'm going to stay away from the, uh, the the side on this one as well. But um, I think the big question is when is it to a time? Because we thought, all right, it's it's going to be it's it's got to be the Jets, right? That's that's the perfect matchup, right? That. You don't put him in against San Francisco, and then Fitzpatrick has the stay of execution. So when does it ultimately happen? Because you, you figure it has to happen at some point this season. That's that's the only thing I really have here. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened at some point even in this game if Fitzpatrick came out, did the Fitzpatrick thing where he throws four interceptions. But um, that's it right here. It's just crazy that they're, they're nine-and-a-half-point favorites. I can't believe it. Against anybody. But, yeah, yeah. – I- the Miles Gaskin thing, as you mentioned, was was really good to see. I mean, we had the late Jordan Howard inactive, which was really a boon for his uh, situation. And he was involved in all 11 goal-to-go snaps, which obviously we'd love to see. And fantasy is a nice floor because of his passing game usage. So, yeah, his props are definitely going to be something that I want to take a look at. Total prop yardage, I think, is probably where I'll look first. But I'm with you. I think the under is probably the lean. Connor, what are your thoughts on this one? I mean – at nine and a half points, like I know that there have actually been like a lot of smart betters betting on the Jets, and I anticipate that they're going to be on it again. Like you know, like the people who like you know the Rufus Peabodies and those guys who are legitimate betters. But I cannot imagine putting any dollar that I've earned in my own money on the Jets. Like I think that it is the most ridiculous bet. And I, even then, like I don't think the Dolphins should be nine and a half point favorites over anyone. Like I mean, maybe seven, seven and a half points, but nine and a half, like. I know the Jets are terrible, but don't get me wrong. I think Jeff said it well. This could be a Fitzpatrick or Fitzmagic game where you see the ups and then you also see the downs. You know, this would be a game where he comes in, throws three picks. You know, their secondary is locked down, and then all of a sudden you see Tua rolling out in the second half. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not betting this side. I think it's just going to be an interesting one to look back on and you know maybe pay attention to in the, in the corner of a, of a room. But actually, this is a this is a three o'clock game, isn't it? It's one of the it's the, one of the afternoon games with yes. one other game, right? Green Bay, Tam, uh, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, which is next. Yeah. As if 2020 could get much worse, they're putting two games, you know, in the three o'clock slate, and it, this is one of them. 
I, I don't know what this three o'clock window you're talking about is, man. It's the four o'clock. <laughs> sorry, the four o'clock window. bias. <laughs> yeah, this would be historically. This is a corner TV game. Like ideally, they give yep. you you know nine games, and you can put it on the old eight box. And this is the one they leave out of there. But they force our hand. We have to watch this because at some point, the you know Packers and Bucks are going to go to commercial, and we'll be forced to watch this one. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. I, I think the total is way too high. Um, you guys do make some good points around you know this is kind of what we've seen with Fitz is he buys himself a little bit more time a little bit of a longer leash and then just kind of decaps his way to three or four picks and a half and then all of a sudden you're you know watching Tua you know kind of get a stranglehold on the job unfortunately the Jets just no real pass rush they are 30th and past DDV away they just they're kind of terrible so I know sometimes Fitz does it to himself regardless of the opponent but uh, I feel like he's earned himself a little bit if he even plays decent in the first half. But Jeff makes up a good point. I mean, that two is going to happen at some point. I, this team is not a playoff team, so they are building for the future, and that is Tua for sure. So we are going to see him. And I think that's a good point for DFS. Like Even in these spots where it seems like Fitz is too good to be true, especially in cash games, he's cheap. It's the Jets. It's a pretty healthy team total. Just be be cautious with Fitz. Um, he is he's probably not the way to go in cash at any point moving forward. All right. The other good game in the four o'clock window, uh, for, as a former East coaster, I'll let you get away with that. Uh, Packers at bucks, green Bay minus one on the road here, 54, some 54 and a half out there. This obviously projects to be one of the best games of the weekend. And again, because we have nothing else to watch, it's going to be great. Tampa Bay, was uh, two and a half point favorites here and the look ahead lines opened at three and now has been bet down through the zero with Green Bay being a one point favorite on the road. Looks like we're going to have Devontae Adams back. Uh, he was really obviously itching to go last week, was pretty frustrated that they did not let him go. Now he's had a bye. He's rested. Be interested to see what happens with Chris Godwin, who apparently was jogging on the sideline the other day. That's not necessarily indicative of you know being ready to go on a Sunday. But obviously, that one would be impactful of, of how I feel about this game. Jeff, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, I, I think we should just you know make sure we're aware that Tampa is the real deal on the defensive side of the football. Obviously, their run defense has been stout uh, throughout the, the, the beginning of the season here. But, I mean, you, we made fun of this secondary last year to start the year. We made fun of Sean Murphy bunting. We made fun of Carlton Davis. Carlton Davis is a budding superstar in this league. He is ascending up the ranks, and he's emerging as one of the better shadow corners in the league. Now, for Devontae Adams' sake, I don't think it matters that much because Aaron Rodgers, we know what Rodgers does as well. You know, I said the same thing about Ben Roethlisberger earlier. He locks into a guy, and that's his guy. Well, yeah, Aaron Rodgers' guy is, is Devontae Adams. But that's enough for me to say, all right, I look at this, this total – that's high. I think that's really high. I get that people are looking on the offensive side, but I think we're neglecting the defensive side here. Uh, I think this the, the under is a really appealing play for me. Looking at some of the props, I'm really hoping Ronald Jones' props come in too high uh, to get some unders there. Obviously, Godwin is going to be the key here uh, because if Godwin plays, then that does impact Mike Evans' usage. Uh, the tight end usage is sort of all over the place as well. You know, is it going to be Gronk? Is it going to be Braid? Is it going to be both of them lackluster? Uh, on the other side, 
I'm, I'm hoping we see really big Bobby Tanyan lines, man, because everybody's fired up about Bob Tanyan after the three touchdown outing, which is so far from sustainable. It's not even funny, but what is sustainable for him is five, six, seven targets per game. But if we see like a line, like a, like a 55 and a half or something like that, that's what I'm really hoping to see there because that, that to me just screams under for Robert Tanyan. Yeah, that is way too high. You left out the uh, air yards leader for the Bucks last week at tight end. It was Tanner Hudson. Uh, it's a three-headed monster there in Tampa Bay with uh, with OJ Howard out. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you on Ronald Jones. I'm want to short Ronald Jones whenever I can. Even last week with Leonard Fournette out of the lineup, we saw a lot of Keyshawn Vaughn on third down. He's really kind of taken over that role over the last couple of weeks. It's really kind of that first and second down plotter role for Ronald Jones, who has looked good in that role at times, I will admit. But uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like that really caps his ceiling. And and I think that his props could be set too high because he performed in an island spot last week. And we know that typically those spots are overrated historically. Connor, uh, thoughts on this game? Yeah, I think Fournette also might play a little bit more too. I mean, he didn't play. He was there for like emergency use basically. But um, I think he took a snap at like, you know, take a knee. At yeah, the half, and that was literally yeah. the one snap he played. Exactly. I mean, he's going to play more than he did last week. So, uh, I mean, that's going to also play a role into Ronald Jones under. Even though, you know, Green Bay's run defense is really bad, uh, I, I think this is the right side to be on the under here. Uh, I lean Green Bay just because I think uh, Tampa Bay's offense just in general is extremely overrated. Uh, Green Bay's uh, corner, Jair Alexander, has been playing really well. I mean, he has an opportunity to, you know, match up against Mike Evans, which, you know, hopefully if he can get on the right side of that, I think that, could um it could stall Tampa Bay's offense even more here um but beyond that like I do like the under a lot because you know this is a a high-flying offense in Green Bay that has played really well but it's against a Tampa Bay defense which I do think is legit number one in explosive run rate allowed number three in explosive pass rate allowed so I mean they're not allowing big plays they're playing efficient on the defensive side here so yeah I like the under I would lead Green Bay but um yeah I, I think that that the under is probably the move here Real quick, it's actually Kevin King who they'll use on bigger oh, yeah. body corners or bigger body receivers, that is, because Jair is not, not a particularly big corner, so he matches up more off the, against the shiftier, uh, not smaller guys, but when you have Mike Evans, they usually use King because he's such a big body. Yeah, good call. Yeah, I mean, the Godwin thing is impactful here. I mean, I think that these teams are probably pretty close, so if you can give me points at home, probably going to lean Tampa Bay's side. Um, definitely love the under even more though. If Godwin is out, I think if we get him ruled out, even though we're probably expecting him not to play, I think the public will react and you can get a 54 and a half. I mean, that hook in this spot seems really advantageous. If you're leaning under, I will probably bet that when we sign off. All right. So next we have Kansas city on the road against the bills, Kansas city, three and a half point favorites on the road, total, very healthy 57 and a half. Um, you know, who's more mad coming off of a loss, um, narrative based here, uh, obviously disappointing for both clubs, really surprised at how poorly Kansas city played offensively in the second half against the really not good Raiders offense. So they were able to get some pressure and move Mahomes who just kind of held onto the ball too long and, you know, tried to make Mahomesian plays that just didn't really happen. Didn't really have any success on the ground either. Uh, Jeff, kick me off. What are your thoughts here? 
And, and, you know, a couple silly things like the Clyde Edwards-Alaire touchdown uh, with yeah. the pass inter- offensive pass interference uh, call on that play. Like, there was a, a few things there. I, unex- inexplicably not going to Edwards-Alaire 25 times on the ground against one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. There were a lot of things that, yeah, there are question marks. The Bills are not the worst run defense in the NFL, so that's going to be a little bit tricky there. But – they did have their hands full with Tyreek Hill. So we have to see what happens with Tredavious White. If he's back on the field, that helps him out. It's not like he's going to shadow Tyreek because they you know, typically would not shadow a guy who moves to the slot a lot. But not having Sammy Watkins actually hurts Kansas City a little bit. And it's weird. It's 2020. So, of course, I'm saying that. He's been pretty good the way that they've used him, especially in the intermediate area of the field. So that hurts, but you also have that explosive upside. I mean, the over-under here, I'm not touching this game at all. I'm looking just at player props in this game. The over-under, though, I I agree. It's high for a reason. It's going to be a slugfest. Both of these teams can put points on the board in a hurry. Uh, And we saw that Kansas City, I thought their secondary, you know, was relatively good heading into last week, and then they got exposed by Derek Carr. And the thing that's different about Derek Carr than Josh Allen, let's go to the air yards. Derek Carr is not a high A-dot guy. That's, he got helped out by his receivers a little bit. Josh Allen can be a high A-dot guy and, and can certainly expose them as well. So I'm ready for a slugfest. It's going to be a really fun game. I think that the Buffalo does bounce back. I don't know what happens with the running back situation. That's probably the big question mark for me. Because Devin Singletary is really not a feature back. TJ Yeldon, people kept saying, oh, they used a lot of Yeldon. Well, yeah, they used him down the stretch. Uh, you know, he was out there with Mar- Matt Barkley, so don't worry too much about that. But does Zach Moss get back? I think if he does, that helps them out. Uh, and the prop markets are going to be the really interesting thing, though. I'm not going to take this game. And McCole Hardman looked to have uh, outsnapped Demarcus Robinson last week when Sammy Watkins went down, too. Be interested to see what his numbers look like here. Um, you know, he's been such a hit or miss guy and been someone that we've all been kind of waiting for. But to finally see him get on the field a little bit more than Robinson, something we haven't always seen in these spots is a little bit more encouraging. Connor, what are your leans on this game? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not super confident on the side, but I think that, I mean, the biggest lean here would be that Buffalo's defense has been surprisingly bad. I mean, they allowed 17 points to the Jets, 28 to the Dolphins, 32 to the Rams. Uh, only 23 to the, the Raiders, but um, 42 to the Titans then. I mean, maybe it was those teams playing well, but, I mean, that's a lot of points to a lot of teams who are just very average um, in a lot of areas. So, I mean, 27th in DVOA, 26th in points per drive allowed. Um, so, I don't know. I think that I'm most confident in Kansas City, Kansas City just scoring a lot of points. So, how I attack that, I'm not necessarily sure yet. But, um, I mean – like 35 points is very much in play, or if not in the 40s here against the Buffalo team. The issue is I think Buffalo can actually, you know, fight back. So the, the part is that, you know, like I don't want to take Kansas City here, especially on the other side of three, um, because I think three is about right. I'd be interested in it there, maybe two and a half, but a three and a half, I, I don't have too much of a lean here. And the total is already, you know, 57 and a half in most spots. So it's that's pretty pretty high. But, I mean, maybe even some team totals later in the week if it falls at all. Yeah, we came in the last week thinking you know, the Chiefs defense had taken strides forward. I think they were first in past DVOA through the first five, you know, four weeks. And then, as Jeff mentioned, like I believe Carr was like four of six on passes, 25 yards down the field more, and like it was like 200 and something yards. I mean, we saw some massive plays from his receivers. 
Uh, great catch by Henry Ruggs. I mean, both of his catches were for 40 plus yards. So, um, you know, Buffalo definitely has the profile as an offense that can keep up and do that too. So it makes sense why the points are so high. All right, Sunday night football in the division as well. In the NFC West is the Rams on the road against the Niners. Uh, Rams, three and a half point favorites here on the road. 50 and a half is the total. Uh, I love this game in the look ahead lines. I was talking to Connor about it last week. I love the, the Niners as just a three point favorite here at home. Um, now it's moved and in six and a half points the other way based off of the shellacking that the Dolphins put on them. Obviously, the Rams looked really good last week against a really poor Washington team, but uh, I know the Rams struggle on the, uh, against the run. We know that San Francisco likes to run the football. Um, Seems like a good matchup and a little bit of an overreaction. San Francisco really poor so far at home. Again, small sample size theater. I wouldn't overreact. They are 0-3 at home this season, uh, favored by more than a touchdown in each of those games too, Jeff. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, the Rams are a tricky team this year to to figure out. You know, they look good against Washington. They don't look very good against the Giants, you know. Their backfield, it's Daryl Henderson, it's Malcolm Brown. Then, you know, it's both of them, and Cam Akers looks like the best running back on the team. So that's been a bit of a mess. At least we get some consistency at wide receiver. We kind of know what to expect out of Cooper Cup. He's phenomenal. He's awesome. He's so much fun to watch. And then Bob Woods as well, getting deep for one. Love seeing that there out of him. Now, it is interesting on the other side, Jason Verrett, who – Finally, this dude's staying healthy. I love Jason Verrett. He just couldn't, you know, he could never stay healthy. They've been using him as a shadow corner the last couple of weeks with Richard Sherman banged up. And, and I think that's really out of necessity with this defense. I mean, it's not just Sherman, it's the entire defense has been decimated this year. And that has left this team exposed. You bring up a great point. The run game is phenomenal. Like, where what other team do we see this like on the regular? Nine carries for 87 yards, you know, 11 carries for 92 yards. Where does that happen? And it feels like it happens most weeks with the 49ers. Raheem Mostert just looked phenomenal. So I I agree there, but I just don't think there's enough. And especially when you hear, yeah, Garoppolo didn't suffer any setbacks. So, okay, yeah, he was benched. (laughs) All right, I You bench your guy. What what do we have here? I feel so bad for Ayuk. I feel so bad for Debo. I feel so bad for Kittle because if they had a competent quarterback, man, oh, man, there's just major upside there. I'm buying into this Lion movement. I'm all in on the Rams. If I can get them at three and a half, I'm going to take them at three and a half. I, I like that, them giving three and a half, that is. I like that. I think they just trounce the 49ers. They're going in the wrong direction right now. Garoppolo's 1.4 QBR, if that's a stat that wets your whistle, was uh, <laughs> lowest of his career, lowest of uh, lowest of any QB this season. So he, he was he was pretty awful. Uh, and to your point, like it doesn't even matter who the back is. It could be yep. Matt Breida historically, Jeff Wilson. You know, we saw what Jeremy McKinnon did in his role when he was getting 90 plus percent of the snaps. Mostert slides right back in and just beasts and. Um, yeah, just such a good running game. If they could stay healthy and, and kind of get an advantageous game scripts, they can force that down your throat. Uh, getting up is the problem for them currently. Connor, thoughts? I don't have too much to add. I think you guys covered most of it pretty well. It is interesting and worth noting, though, that uh, using FTN's odd tools here that we have on the screen, um, you can see that there's a bunch of three and a halves there, but there's also a two and a half right now at BetMGM mm. available. And then there's a three right now at FanDuel. So, 
I mean, this is a great time to shop around. You know, if you want to get on each side of the number, obviously, if you want the Rams, two and a half is a great number. If you want the 49ers, three and a half is also a good number on the other side of the, the three. So, uh, yeah, I mean, on either side of that, like, I think that both are viable. I, I do agree that I think, you know, if the Niners can keep it close, um, like the running game should have success. But the issue is if, if they fall behind, it is a slippery slope. Like they are going to – they could get absolutely trounced. So I, I, I'm i probably off it, but, I mean, if – I would potentially look at maybe some rushing props too for the 49ers, kind of like we mentioned earlier. Yeah, I'm going to go against Jeff here. I'm going to take the Niners, and especially if I can get three and a half. I think there's a little bit of that like young gun bravado going on here with these two head coaches too. Um, I feel like the this is just a good spot, and I feel like six points, six and a half points is a, a massive – overreaction uh, based on what we saw last week. So I'm going to take the points here at home. All right, Monday Night Football, Arizona on the road yet again, this time against the Cowboys. Uh, Arizona now two and a half point favorites here on the road. 55 is the total. It's the first time all season we're seeing back-to-back-to-back road spots. Arizona, two East Coast games against the Panthers and the Jets. Now on the road again, visiting the Andy Dalton led Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys were three and a half point favorites in the look ahead market. It's moved obviously across the zero with this injury, and they're now catching two and a half at home. I mean, obviously the DAC injury was devastating for so many reasons. Though Andy Dalton slid in, uh, obviously taking over an amazing situation offensively, and made a couple of clutch throws, obviously down the stretch to lead them to a win. Um, obviously I think the major takeaway coming out of last week though, was something we thought was going to happen going into the game. There was a lot of talk from Mike McCarthy leading into that week, being frustrated with kind of how the games have gone, looking at the run pass ratio and really wanting to lean on Zeke. Saw that kind of come to fruition. It was a pretty Zeke heavy spot last week. And I think you maybe see that a little bit more moving forward. Jeff, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I do agree with you there. Uh, My big thought here though, just in general for the Dallas offense is, Thank God it's not Ben DiNucci. Uh, you know, prepping for the draft last year, I did over 300 players to be ready to, you know, be at the Combine in Indy to do the broadcast, which we did on Sirius XM. Ben DiNucci was not one of them. And it's pretty rare an offensive player gets drafted in the fifth round, and I don't know who the heck he is, and I had no <laughs> clue who he was. So if that was the case, we would be really in some trouble for this offense sort of across the board. But the nice thing is, we know what Andy Dalton is. We know exact. The book has been written on Andy Dalton. And is he Dak Prescott? No. Is he 95% of Dak Prescott? No. But is he 85%? Yeah, I think so. And this is the best surrounding cast that he's had. This is the best offensive setup that he's had. I do wish that Dallas would freaking move their wide receivers. I'm getting like Chip Kelly, San Francisco vibes here where they're just not moving them. Like CD's in the slot and CD's in the slot, and that's all he's doing. So move him around a little bit because I know Mike McCarthy's watching right now. Move him around a little (laughs) bit here. That'll help. But I think this is a sneaky spot for Dallas. I think this was an overreaction. There are flaws in Arizona, and the big flaw is that secondary, which I – Andy Dalton under center or not, Dallas has the firepower to take advantage of it on the ground as well. Kyler, yeah, you he's going to beat you, of course, but if you can kind of contain everything else, if you can just contain it to Kyler and D-Hop and they're going to do their thing and that's it, and you just shut down Drake and make all the fantasy people mad and you you know do all that, I think that Dallas can win this game outright. So if I'm getting them at plus two and a half, I'm taking them at plus two and a half. 
Love it. And I, you know, I know that the travel thing can be overrated and supposedly it's baked in the line, but back to back to back road games is just, that's rough. And it, it, to me, it matters. I value that for sure. Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts here? I mean, talk to me about Kenyon Drake. We talked about it last week. He leads the league in make or break games. Uh, he's 0 for 2. We thought it was going to happen against the Panthers, and then we thought it was going to happen against the Jets and stubbed his toe in both. Obviously, Chase Edmonds kind of looks like a baller when he gets his opportunities. Uh, thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to keep seeing more and more opportunities as Kenny and Drake keeps, like, you know, sucking. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just too much assumption of rational coaching, but, like, I don't know. I feel like any person who's watching the game can see that Chase Edmonds is outplaying Kenny and Drake, and Kenny and Drake – He's almost like reminiscent of 2019 David Johnson in the first half of the year where like you see him around the corner and you're like, ooh, like, you know, he's not going anywhere. Like it's just kind of one of those things, like pretty much every time he gets the ball. Um, I, I don't mind Dallas outright here in terms of the game. Um, and I, I think you guys summed up pretty well here. But like Dalton got a lot of flack for struggling in Cincinnati, but he always had like a battle line and very few weapons. When he had good weapons, I mean, he was good. Obviously, that was earlier in his career, but, you know, it, towards the end of his career, he had like no weapons and no good all offensive line. Now he has like, you know, great wideouts and like a mid-tier offensive line. To And so I think that with the Cardinals not being great on pass defense, you know, 26th in DVOA, like the matchup isn't super imposing. The only concern here taking Dallas outright is obviously, I mean, their defense. Like this this Cardinals offense, though, hasn't really lived up to expectations, in my opinion. Like they, have, they obviously had a few early games where they were really good, but – you know, they were, there was a little bit of a slump after that against the Lions defense, which we thought that they were going to uh, play really well against. And then, I mean, they predictably, like, you know, beat up on the Jets. Like, you know, I, I just don't really even care about like that. that I just don't think it matters at all to our, the sample. So, um, like, for, for this, I, I do think that Dallas is live here. I did take a little bit of chunk on, on the Cowboys outright. Love it. Yeah, I do too. I think they're very much live. And uh, this one's always tough because it's Monday Night Football, like, it's going to take a lot of late steam and, you know, be ready to act depending on which way your lean is because this two and a half will just, if it's already moving already, you'll start to see a lot of action once, you know, Sunday night football gets to halftime and people start looking at what's next, you know, just chasing the dragon and they want to get some action down on, on anything they can. So uh, take a look at that one. So uh, Jeff, favorite play on the board this week. What are your uh, spreader total? What jumped out to you today? I mean, maybe that last one right there, uh, right where we have it. I also really, you know, I'm, I'm committed to this Philly thing too. So the taking Philly at plus seven and a half right now, really like that. And then of course, once we get to the props, if you ask me that question, I, I, I hope you have three hours. Cause I, I literally will play <laughs> 200 plus props, you know, in every book, every week I have a problem. I know, but, um, but yeah, those two stand out to me. Absolutely. Love it. Uh, love going through that thing. And there there's a lot of props on that tool. Uh, we'll have you tell everyone about that in a second. Connor, what's your favorite? Yeah, I mean, I probably like Pittsburgh here. It's one of the teams that I points bet, um, which, you know, is obviously provides a lot of risk and a lot of reward. You know, for every point over the total or that spread, you know, you get rewarded your money back. And every point under, you lose that amount of money. So it can get pretty dangerous, especially when, uh, you know, betting betting props on that. But on, on the side here, it's nothing too risky. And I think that Pittsburgh – has the ability here to win by, you know, double digits. So I think that kind of upside is something that you want to look into in points betting. In terms of props, um, I mean, I'll kick it off here so then we can give Jeff the floor. But, uh, you know, I, I like uh, potentially Allen Robinson and David Montgomery. I'll, you know, close my eyes, hold my breath, and, you know, just 
not not pay attention to David Montgomery grinding <laughs> 20 carries for 70 yards and hitting over on his prop. It's probably my favorite game uh, as I think I really like the Panthers again uh, to get a, a win here, especially when you get them at two and a half. I just think this is a really good spot for them, and I'm not really believing in the Bears to be four and one. I think have like a plus four point differential. Uh, it just it's not really the spot for them, and I just want to be buying all things Joe Brady in this offense, and I think they're really maximizing the talent that they have on that team. So no real exotic yet. I haven't really dug into it. Nothing really jumps out. We'll look at that later. But, uh, Jeff, tell everyone where they can find your stuff and basically a little bit about – all the great stuff you're doing over there at FTN. Yeah, FTNFantasy.com, FTNDaily.com, FTNBets.com. And and really, um, one of the, the cool things is I've had a lot of tools in my head for a long time that just couldn't get developed fast enough. And the great thing about being a startup is, like, we just do it. <laughs> you know, like, we put up all kinds of fun stuff. And we, I, we're going to have a new tool coming out tomorrow that is not, I'm not even going to announce it yet. You just have to go to FTNFantasy.com to go check it out. Uh, but the player props tool on FTNBets.com, this is something I've wanted to do for a while. Because like I said, I play a lot of props. And I know that's, that's definitely different than a lot of, how a lot of people approach things. Because I think people think at a game level. Like I'm thinking about the game level and I can't really, uh, it's crazy to bet like five different things on one game. Well, I'm betting like 12 different things on one game because I'm not thinking about the game level. I'm thinking about the player level, right? And if we think about it just at that level, I may have one or two or three bets on each player. It depends on the player. It depends on the position. But if you can get an edge on a book, then take the freaking edge. I don't care where it is. Now, it does take a little bit of pivoting of your mindset. You know, people will say, well, this is my unit. And you're telling me I should bet all of this. Well, no, I don't tend to look at it that way, and I bet a much smaller unit for player props than I would for a game. So I'm I'm taking my unit and, and throwing that aside and then establishing a new unit for player props. Because my whole objective is, you know, with player props, I think for a lot of bettors, it's really hard to go 6 out of 10. It really is for a lot of bettors. That's a tough thing to do. But could you go 55 out of 100? I think you have a better shot of doing that, especially if you pay attention, than going 6 out of 10. So it's more of that... Uh, numbers game, you're playing, you know, a bigger field here to hopefully capitalize. So that's what I provide you with in the player props tool. I give you a set of player props. Last week, it was somewhere around 225 different props across all the books that you would get, the major books, FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, BetAmerica. So different lines on each of those sites so you can shop around. I do the shopping for you. And then I also rate it from uh, one star being the, the bare minimum play to the five star being the Hammer the F out of that bet. Uh, and that is, of course, over at FTNBets.com. And you can use the promo code RATPACK if you want 10% off. Absolutely love it. I'll let you steal the promo code. Um, <laughs> I, I ordered a tool, essentially, because, you know, um, also I'm happy to be Jeff's teammate over there at FTN. I, mm-hmm. I, I think we have a drive stats tool coming soon that I talked about the team with. So, again, they to your point, it's really cool being a part of a startup that's just like, Hey, what do you want and what can we do? How can we make, you know, your analysis better? What do you look at week to week? What don't we have on the site that we can also make useful to our subscribers? So it's great to be a part of and uh, really grateful for you jumping on and joining us uh, this week on Move the Line. Yeah, guys, this was awesome. I always enjoyed talking with smart people about football. So the pleasure was all mine.
Awesome. Don't forget to find Jeff on Twitter if you haven't already somehow at Jeff Radcliffe. And again, Sirius XM every day, uh, Monday through Friday. So for Jeff and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see you next week.